Oh my goodness, that bass has dropped in. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to try to help by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsor this week, Quip. Quip brings the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who also was able to pick out the elephant on his cognitive test, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. It was so easy. I could, uh, it, uh, and the test was like, oof, you know, but like that one question, I was like. <laughs> Which one's the elephant? <laughs> I was like, mm, nice can you try. count backwards from 100 by seven? You know what? It's 93. Oh, 93 is the answer. It's an elephant. It's so easy. My favorite not- part of that, that entire clip is him is him saying 93 under his breath. Chris Wallace saying 93 under his breath. It's so funny. It's so funny to me. Anyway, how are you doing, Christian? How are things? I'm, you know, enduring. Uh, I, I've probably said this on this show. Today was a good day. Hopefully tomorrow is a good a good day as well. Today, right now, is my wife and I's seventeenth wedding anniversary. So it's holy a- moly! And you're here doing this? I'm so sorry. There's nowhere else I'd rather be, my friend. <laughs> Aww. I mean, well, we've been we've been married for for nearly that long. I love my wife. No, this is great. I'm I'm happy to be here. That sounded weird. There's nowhere else. Today's my anniversary. I'd rather be here. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lovely weekend, and I'm happy to be here doing this show. Well, I, I need to send your wife flowers for letting you be here. And congratulations on on that. Uh, that's incredible and wonderful and, and beautiful. And uh, let's talk video games. <laughs> we got we have a lot to talk about. We're still in the middle of the summer of games. We got announcements. We got huge game releases. We're going to be talking Ghost of Tsushima. We're going to be talking Assassin's Creed Valhalla. We're going to be talking Watch Dogs Legion. Oh, so much. So many big games to talk about. But we have one of my favorite guests to do it with. So you know you're in good hands. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, once again, DLC stands for Die Live Continue. Because from Spawn on Me, we've got the captain of the Spawn on Me empire. Our friend, truly one of my favorite people in the world. Mr. Khalif Adams is back with us. Hey, Khalif. My brothers, how are you? I am so excited to rock with you tonight. Christian, it is your anniversary. I feel like I should sing the anniversary song, the 2020 one, out loud, <laughs> so that you can you light the free. candle, get the Moscato ready for, for when you're done with the show. Harvey, Adam Sandler, Italian. You fresh up there, but it's an anniversary. Yeah, yeah. But I'm so excited to rock with y'all today. I'm real. I need this good energy in my life. So this is going to be fun. It has been too long, and we're so excited to uh, to hang with you as well. We got lots to get into, so let's start the start the train rolling with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. 
Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It's also where you can send comments, questions, whatever is on your mind. We love hearing about it. Reviews of games that we might miss that we can incorporate into the show. We love hearing that as well. You could also hang out in our subreddit where other like-minded folks are gathering and talking about the show, talking about video games, talking about whatever's on their mind. Check out our subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. But Khalif, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Ooh, xCloud going into Game Pass Ultimate is going to be the jam. I think that when we talk about the conversation about which Big Honcho is doing the work of giving you, the consumer, the best deal for your dollar. It has to be Microsoft right now. It continues to go down that road. Um, I'm talking about Phil Spencer talking about uh, including it uh, in the September uh, in September uh, with Game Pass Ultimate being a huge part of that at no extra cost is going to be fantastic for everyone involved who's in the in the Microsoft ecosystem. That's going to be really really cool. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we talk, we've talked on the show many, many times about how much we think the Xbox Game Pass subscription is already a pretty awesome value. And yet they keep throwing more value into it. xCloud, of course, is the play anywhere element that uh, Xbox is or Microsoft has been rolling out and continues to roll out. And one thinks will be a big part of the next few years, a big part of the Xbox Series X experience. This is the ability to play your Xbox games on your cell phone, on your devices of all kinds, mm-hmm. streaming it. Uh, and it's something that I don't know if you got a chance to, to test out last year's E3. I did. It works pretty well, at least in those conditions it did. Did you get a chance to try it, Cleve? I did. At the show, I did. Uh, and it works like it's amazing the, the amount of technology that we have around us and how well it keeps getting. It's like it gets better every year. Uh, I remember being at GDC five to six years ago at this point and seeing uh, folks from Xbox talking about this being a part of their roadmap. And now we're actually seeing it come to fruition. It is it is technology that, of course, we've seen other versions of you know playing anywhere in the cloud. You know, uh, PlayStation has done that with remote play and you see things like Parsec in the space and all these other um, organizations and, and companies doing this work. But it feels like Microsoft integrating this into a console into the PC uh, again feels like something very different and something very special. So I'm, I'm excited to see where this is going to go. Yeah. It feels like an entire company wide initiative. You know, such an Adela has really redefined what uh, Xbox stands for, or excuse me, Xbox, Microsoft as a whole, what, what Microsoft stands for, because it seems like they're de-emphasizing Windows and letting Microsoft services and cloud stuff be on all kinds of different devices. I mean, you can get Word and the Word suite on Apple devices now on the iPad. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that's kind of what they're doing on the gaming side as well is being less precious about where you play stuff and just opening it up and let letting anybody play it anywhere. Which, as you said, when you introduced the story, Cleef, is really pro-consumer and feels like a win for gamers. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm kind of reminded also, guys, about how Amazon seems determined to make a Prime subscription just a no-brainer. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. it is there's so much value in a prime subscription. It just feels dumb not to have one sometimes. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I like the, you know, second day, no cost shipping, all that stuff. Maybe that's why I'm buying it. Or maybe it's the video service with all the movies or maybe it's the music that I'm getting. I mean, they just keep lumping mm-hmm. more and more things into this one fee to the point where it's like, well, it, it just doesn't make any sense not to be a subscriber. And I kind of feel like maybe that's the same play here. Where, you know, Microsoft is just lumping more and more things into a Game Pass subscription to the point where it's like, it just doesn't make any sense not to be subscribing to this thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm in that boat where every time I think about, you know, and get excited about the possibilities of all the things that I'm going to be able to do with not only xCloud, but just Game Pass itself, both on the PC and on console. Like, it has opened up titles for me that I would have not played at all. Like, I'm really excited about uh, Flight Simulator now in a way that I was not ex- excited about ever in my life. I'm like, I can go fly over my own house in Microsoft Flight Simulator. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I'm going to get that, you know, with like, air quotes for free. <laughs> but still, I'm going to be able to get all these cool games that I was never going to play before in my suite of games that I'm going to play. So that's, did you that's see cool that? Did you see that they announced that the Microsoft flight simulator on PC, if you buy it in the store is going to come on 17 DVDs. Amazing. <laughs> it needs bonkers? Amazing. I'm so happy about that. That's going to be the best collector's item on the market. It's going to be so dope <laughs> to have 17 discs with no disc drive on my PC. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'm old enough to remember like buying King's Quest six or whatever it was and getting like, you know, 20, you know, five or three and a half inch floppy disks in the box. You know, those, those days are just like, that's the, that's the best we can do. We have that's the mean, biggest media we've got for you. So that's I mean, look, back I'm going to have a ton of coasters now. It's yeah. going to be fantastic to put all my drinks on all these Microsoft flight simulator disks. <laughs> So Christian Spicer, uh, Gears 5, Halo Master Chief Collection, Destiny 2, A Plague Tale Innocence, Devil May Cry 5, Civ 6, Darksiders 3. The list goes on and on of the games that are going to be supported on Xbox Game Pass Ultimate with xCloud. These are games that you'll be able to have as part of your subscription and also play anywhere what do you think about this? Is this is this the Stadia killer? Is this is this your dream finally realized just with a company you didn't expect it to come from? No. Short answer, no. Um, I mean, I we talked about it last year at E3. Like I've I've liked XCloud. I've demoed it. I it was in the Android beta uh as it rolled out wide. I was never able to get into the iOS beta. I'm not sure why. Bill Gates. Um, <laughs> um but I, I'm high on the service. I like it. And I think we've talked about how it makes sense for them to bundle. And I think another part of this story is that the one-year Xbox Gold subscription is no longer available. Um, Microsoft has kind of sunset that. Uh, they've also said that they don't plan on changing the price of Game Pass Ultimate like it, when this change happens in September, which I think is a little bit of a Trojan horse of like, we're not going to change it now. But when we get you, then we're going to change it. It's, you know, Netflix, I think when I signed up, I think they like paid me and sent someone over to give me a, a, a back rub when I first went. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And then every six months they're like, now it's more. And I'm like, well, it's only a dollar more, you know, whatever it is. And I understand things need to get more expensive, especially as they increase value. Um, so I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if Game Pass Ultimate becomes more expensive 
in you know the end of 2021. But it makes a lot of sense to kind of streamline, declutter your offerings. You have your your product now is people able to play your games. You know, they don't necessarily care where or how. And this is just another avenue. And they talked about early on that the best place to play will be on dedicated hardware. Like we don't think the cloud can replace that yet, but they're making it available as a way to play. And they talk about I'm rolling in another story, but I think it's part of the conversation of like their version of one click gaming, where I think it's a great way to have demos again and be able to just say, Oh, this halo infinite. That sounds pretty fun. Oh, I click this now because of X cloud, I'm playing, you know, a quick five minute level or a game of multiplayer or whatever it is without needing to wait for a overnight download of a 17 disc <laughs> game. Right. And then it's you're streaming off- directly on and I can just press one button. It's, it's what St- Google Stadia has been. I, honestly, I think you and I've talked a lot, Christian, about that being sort of the killer feature of, of Stadia was, was you're watching somebody on YouTube and all of a sudden you can press one button and be playing the game they're playing. That one button access to a game feels like a major, major paradigm shift. Yes. And unfortunately, you know, to your first question, it, it stinks when everybody's correct. But what's killed Stadia is, is Google, it seems like. You know, like I, I still really like the streaming future. I still think it's very viable. Microsoft, uh, I think, has a great position on it. And it frustrates me. I mean, again, another story. They're all related. The Stadia Connect, it was like the Jurassic Park theme played on a broken harmonica, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it breaks my heart because I, I still really believe in the idea of the product that they first advertised. They just keep not delivering that product. And Microsoft so far, I think it's had a very great, slow, measured um, delivery of what Project xCloud is and will be and rolling this into Game Pass Ultimate that I think I have in perpetuity and it goes to my kids and my will. I have so much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm very excited. And, and I think the it's weird, like the next generation, whatever you want to call it, for Microsoft is very exciting in a different way than getting Spider-Man Miles Morales is exciting. Like Microsoft is about to shift out of generations and into just delivery. And and I'm super excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think this is, this is becoming a, just a no brainer service for me. I'm already subscribed to Xbox game pass ultimate. So it's just more stuff for my already, the thing I'm already paying for. So it's, yeah. it's pretty wild, you know, but, but at a certain point, it's interesting to me that the quote unquote console wars, such as they are, are going to be p- being played, being fought on con- two completely different battlefields. You know, Microsoft <laughs> isn't even, isn't even playing on the same battlefield anymore. It's just, it's pretty exciting from my perspective, actually, because they're doing so many things that are just so different. And approaching this new generation of consoles in a completely different way. And I think I think that's compelling. And I think that's how the industry gets pushed forward is these companies don't just do the same thing again. Where it's like, okay, well, we have two pretty equivalent boxes and software that's pretty equivalent. So let's look at the exclusives. You know, we've done that for two generations now. And it feels, you know, it, it's that's there's an excitement to the new hardware and all those new exclusives. Yeah, but this just really feels... Like it's going to be a completely different kind of thing this time. And that makes me excited. I'm excited for that. 
I have to say this too. Like you have to give Phil Spencer massive amounts of props. Like, yeah. like talk about turning the ship around, right? Like you had Definitely. the Don Matrick screw up that happened some years ago that led to the connect era, which you right. know, for two days that that lasted. <laughs> and then yeah, era, era is a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> the, the blip on the radar that yeah. was the connect. Unless and you then, were saying, unless you were saying error, then I, then I, then I, yeah. then I agree. <laughs> I misspoke. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but it is one of those things that like, when you think of like fantastic leadership, right? Like the ideas that Phil has kind of put into motion and the rest of the team, of course, it just goes back to the idea of like the consumer is the thing that we care about. The people who are buying our stuff and who are going to be playing our games are the folks that we're catering this thing to in a way that companies don't really do that kind of work in the same ways. Like Sony has done some of that over the years. Cause they've had like great fo- folks like uh, Chuhei at the helm at some of, some of those things was kind of more of an out front personality. But I think in terms of all the companies who we, we kind of put in the big three, Microsoft right now is positioned in a way that they have never been positioned in before to one, hopefully maybe get market share if they do come out early and they come out first. And then also having a roadmap for not only their hardware, but for their software that's going to continue to keep you in their ecosystems, both on the PC and on the console. Like it is such an interesting space that they find themselves in where they can actually do a lot of the stuff that they talked about doing for the past couple of generations and actually see it through. That's really exciting. I agree with you. And I think that the biggest difference is that they have the messaging right this time, Mm -hmm. right? I feel like they could have positioned themselves at at the launch of xbox one in the same way and it somehow got turned on them that it was anti-consumer and oh we're going to block you and we're going to force you to be online and and all those things instead of positioning it in a way of like no this is these this is going to make games more interesting more you know we're going to be always online anyway most of you Mm -hmm. this is how you know they were just a little ahead of the game on some of that stuff and they had just atrocious messaging about it right and now this time it feels like they've got the messaging in line and people understand where they're coming from and i'm actually even i think this also applies to google and stadia because they could have the messaging right they could be saying the same things they could be saying stadia makes it easy for you to play really cool games for basically nothing and not have to worry about upgrading your system. All those things could feel very uh, consumer forward and like reducing the barrier between a player and a game. And instead, all of their mes- messaging at the beginning was, here's the price you'll have to pay to get our thing. You know, Here, you know, here's the stuff we're offering at this price. And it's like, no, no, right. no, no, no. What you want to be saying is, you can just push a button and you can play games and you can choose what you buy and you can buy it on any system and it'll work on anything because you're not actually playing it on that thing. And it like you could, it could have been this instead. It it feels like it was fumbled and bungled and that's unfortunate to me. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? 
Um, the Microsoft stuff, I think, is the biggest story. And then they're following that, you know, with Thursdays, um, hopefully other bigger stories. Oh, um, we'll be talking lots of Microsoft next week, for sure. Although I don't think you're going to be here, Christian. But uh, my we'll, plan we'll, is I am not going to be here, but I am going to record some thoughts and send it to you. So you can include them if, you, if you'd if you like into the episode. Yeah, well, well, maybe I'll review the thoughts and see if they're worth putting in the show. Yeah, be like, <laughs> that's cool. Um, Jeff is the best. If Jeff... <laughs> Or if, if this podcast were, and I know I just like come up with like hot takes, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, you're sticking the knife in, man. You're sticking the knife in. I got to get it now while I still can. What movie would uh, this podcast be like? Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, let's see. What movie would it be? like? No, just what's your story of the week? What's your story of the week? Sony's production ramp up, right? Like, ugh. so one, it's just, I've said it on here and I'll say it again. COVID is, and the, our country, my country, United States, our country, all of us on the show, not everyone listening, but our handling of it and the cases and those suffering and that have lost loved ones, it is uh, a mess to put it, um, to understate it times a million. The mea culpa is like, I, I believe, I remember talking, like when we first talked about it on this show, it was this thing in this other country on the other side of the world. That might affect the games we buy. Like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. all the consoles we need. Wink, wink. Oh man, what are we doing? It's, there's stuff happening in China that's going to disrupt production, maybe potentially. That'll be a mild inconvenience to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, it, it's a mess. And people yeah. around the world, and I can't say it in, in, in a way, and sure not, you know, in the time I have, like, uh, I feel for everyone. It is hard and it is not good. Um, all that is is going into talking about Sony saying now that they're going to double production of PlayStation 5. Originally, they're reporting 5 to 6 million units before the end of March 2021. Um, and now they're looking to have 10 million done in that same time span. They did mention that there still might, or I'm sorry, maybe 10 million before the end of the year. I forget if that's calendar year or fiscal. Um, it's fiscal. It is still March. Okay, so it is March. Yeah. But, they they're did. hoping to have five million. They're having to have five million by the end of December, and then ten million, another five million by the end of March. Got it. Yes. And then they did talk about like uh, distribution some, and that you know there still might be shortages places. But Sony seems to be feeling very confident about their system and what they're delivering, and also I think because of COVID and other factors in the world as well. But like the boom gaming is continuing to see during this time you know yeah. revenues way up, way up sales are way up um for a lot of ironically people. the best time to get new consoles out there i guess if you're able to get them in safe ways and i think yeah. this, you know digital and in that pipeline as well i think is is a very enticing one so i'm curious um to you fine folks will the playstation 5 be purchasable by people who want it within its first week of release. Ooh. That's Probably a good not. I sure hope so. <laughs> Probably I, hope, I, mean, not. I hope so, but we're gonna be I mean, we see that. So we don't count. You know what I mean? I'm not asking if we're going to find a way to get it. Like I will clockwork orange my eyes open at my computer to make <laughs> Oh, you're saying you're saying moms and dads looking for <laughs> Christmas gifts. It's first week purchases, so it's it's an enthusiast purchaser, but yeah, yeah. I have to line up or is it going to be Hey, I follow Wario sixty four on Twitter. I'll get one. <laughs> you know, yeah. what's the hunt gonna be like? 
I well, mean, let's let, before you answer, Khalif, let's let's do some comparative numbers because evidently, if you look back at PlayStation Four, uh, four point five million PS4 units were shipped to retailers in 2013, which is the year it was released, and it took until June 2014 for that figure to reach 10 million. So, this is all. I mean, it's it's comparable to PS4 for calendar year. 2020, but then double that it took until June and now they're saying March. So it's a lot, it's, it's a lot more, but it's not that much more. So take that as a data point, Khalif, and make your prediction. I mean, we, we see the cycle happen every big console launch, right? It's like you have the first wave that gets put up on Amazon and gets put up on all the stores that you would have as the usual suspects. And then the scalpers roll in first because they have magical bots that can crawl every website and get everything first. And then those folks will upsell it to a thousand bucks, fifteen hundred dollars. And then everybody else is still like, I can't get my PS5. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I. Uh, I mean. To be to be completely honest, I honestly feel like there will be a fair amount of consoles out there, but in a in, because of the fact that COVID is a factor, like I think the money that people are going to have to kick out for that, even on the enthusiast yeah, side, mm, that's a good point, is a space where folks are going to be really paying attention not only to the way that the the the, the virus is continuing to to, to spread. But also, you have an election coming up right at that point, too. Yeah. So think about that in terms of the way people are going to be thinking about not only the immediate future, but in the subsequent months after that to say, like, all right, so depending yeah, on who is in this space. Am I going to spend my money on a new console or a plane ticket to another country? What? Right? Am I, <laughs> what, uh, you, you know, pack my bags and leave America or hunker down and have some fun with video games? Well, no no joke. Do? No joke. Like, I think that there's going to be a real interesting point right there for not only for Sony to kind of think about, but, you know, depending upon when Microsoft decides that they want to talk about price and date and all that stuff. What I do think is that that being a factor in all of those conversations makes me wonder if the usual launch date that we would kind of see these consoles happen in would be moved up to kind of skirt some of that potential uh kind of energy in the space i wonder if that's going to be the thing i guarantee you the pre-order date will be before the election (laughs) i guarantee you that (laughs) for sure sure. Uh, and you know i think i'm actually gonna 180 degrees my my previous position which was that covid was going to make scarcity increase and i i think you make some really strong points cleef about just you know the economy and people not having the disposable income that they have Mm -hmm. But also, I do think that this this news story is showing that Sony is recognizing they certainly have some internal data that says, hey, we need more of these in the channel, right? They're doing something that recognizes. What? You'd hope so. This isn't the decision that you just kind of go. Yeah, Yeah, right. So they've got some they've got something that's telling them we need more of these things. And I am. Maybe this is me being optimistic, but I honestly think we have, you know, the three of us on the show are of an, of an age where we remember, I certainly slept on the street in front of a Best Buy to get my Xbox 360. Uh, I'm sure the two of you have done weird and extraordinary things to get consoles in the past. And we've all 
seen the, you know, lived through the lines to get iPhones. And the, as you mm-hmm. said, Khalif, the, the, the scalpers and the eBayers of the world. Maybe I'm overly optimistic, but I kind of feel like the world has moved on from that. I I'm, And we still see blips of it with like, you know, the mini SNES and, and stuff like that. But I think these large global product rollouts now, like I haven't had to stand in line for an iPhone in how long, you know? That's a good point. I just don't think, I just think that we are now, you know, you order it online, you, you, it, 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 you can pre-order it, you pre-order it online, it ship it to your house. It's all frictionless and easy. And I think they're just going to have a ton of them. And again, maybe I'm being Pollyanna, but that's kind of how I think it's going to be. Like, we're all going to wait until midnight on the day for pre-orders and we're going to sit up there and we're all going to get them. And then there's going to be the next day we'll all wake up and anybody that wakes up the next day will still be able to order them. And I just think it's going to be a kind of a non-issue that just feels like it should be an issue because we all lived through it when it was. The only Mm. exception to that is, is the switch still like going into lockdown, the switch became extremely scarce again. And it's popping up from here to there, you know, from time to time, it's not impossible to get, but it's not, as easy to get as you would think a however old it is console would be. Well, they did have issues with China. They did have uh, production issues, uh, manufacturing issues with, with COVID. So maybe you're right. Maybe that will carry over and be the case again. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm being overly optimistic, but I just, it just feels like the world has moved on from that. Like companies just understand that thing now, but you're right. It happened with switch. So maybe it will still be happening. I don't know. Still, it's encouraging to me that there's going to be more of them because I felt like, well, at least, you know, <laughs> I don't think they're going to sell 10 million by March. Maybe they will. I don't know, but that'd be, that's pretty optimistic. I think that's pretty great. Uh, all right. Uh, my story of the week. I, I guess we have to at least talk about the Google Connect. We talked about it Ooh. a little. Do we? I mean, Do Christian, we? Christian, <laughs> Khalif, guys, it's, it's, it's the summer of games. Here's, here's the crazy summer thing. Okay, this time, this time the bumper actually makes sense for the story. This time, I actually uh, stepped on the bumper. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I didn't give you any warning. I was trying to do a thing. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even uh, know that it was happening. That's how. I, I, like, uh, I, like somebody was like, "Oh, the Google Connect, Stadia Connect happened." I was like, "What?" I'm usually pretty good about keeping up on video game news, right? and I didn't even know what happened. It's the, that's the saddest commentary that literally your whole, you know, your whole online presence is talking about this stuff. And you're like, oh, that's today. I didn't even know where to happen, fam. I was yeah. like, what is, oh, they put up a thing. How was it? Did it go well? <laughs> the answer is no, it did not go that well. Uh, I mean, it was fine. It was fine. Uh, everybody's doing a connect. So why not Google? Uh, you know, I talk snarkily about Stadia. Anybody who's listened to the show for long enough knows that. I was, I've been rooting for Stadia. I wanted it to be the thing. Christian still rooting for Stadia. At yeah. this point, I'm, I mean, I'm still rooting for it in theory because I still have mine somewhere around this room right now. I don't know where. Uh, canceled my subscription, of course. But uh, I wanted to, I wanted to work as advertised. But boy, even this Connect, uh, it's hard, hard for me to even pluck out any reason for them to have done it <laughs> quite frankly i guess because everybody was doing a connect and maybe they were going to have a big presence at e3 if that had happened 
who knows? But yeah, they announced a bunch of games that are coming to Stadia. And by a bunch of games, I mean, I think 20, which is not, not nothing. But for a platform that doesn't have much already, uh, and a lot, you were, know, go ahead. Uh, a lot were old. A lot of, were old. And a lot of our art are old on the, on the, now we know that Cyberpunk and Assassin's Creed Valhalla are both coming day and date to Stadia. That's not nothing. Well, Cyberpunk, I think they said it's not. Yep, it's not they moved it. Yep. Uh, well, that's sad. But they are coming, right? They're coming to this to the platform. That's not nothing. Um, you know, and they and they and they announced some exclusives uh, that are games, I guess. But you know, Sekiro it was the big a big announcement. Um, Hello Neighbor, which is a lovely game. It's been out on PC for a, a year, I think. Um, Hitman and Hitman Two are coming uh hitman 3 which is launching in january uh super Bomberman. they've been a big deal about super Bomberman. serious sam 4 uh i mean we didn't hear about any of the sort of big name games we didn't hear about any of the promised features that stadia was supposed to have actually coming into fruition yet um and they say there's still um, some other exclusives that are coming from Harmonix, Supermassive, Uppercut, but those games weren't announced. Um, so, you know, for once, like I said, the the bumper, you're going to get hyped up and the games don't live up to your expectations. It, 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 it's kind of real. What to make of this, Khalif? Is there any silver lining here with, with Stadia? What's going on with Google? Did we lose you? Are you muted? Yes, I am muted. Oops. Um, <laughs> into the Stadia section, so Khalif did what I do during tabletop time. <laughs> I get it. Uh, I was trying to hit the button so I can play the game at the same time as everybody else, but it didn't go through. Um, I mean, interestingly enough, when it comes to the conversation around the cloud right now, and I know, I know Stadia is still trying to figure out what it wants to do in the space in a real way. Honestly, like the the best thing that gives me any hope for them actually getting this thing into a good spot was when I had my uh, demos of Assassin's Creed Valhalla and uh, Watch Dogs Legion uh, a couple week a couple a week ago maybe at this point in the cloud and it was fantastic. It worked amazingly well. It was something that I did not expect to to, to do well in that space. And it lends me to to feel like Stadia still has some punches in its fight or in this fight, but it doesn't really know what it's trying to hit. And I think that's the problem is just that they're continuously trying to figure out how to market this thing to everybody. And they're trying to figure out what angle they want to hit the conversation around cloud. But you have to first let everybody have something that they really are excited about. And I think that the games that they have coming later on like, sure, I'll play NBA 2K21 in the cloud. Like, that's going to be cool once it actually happens. But I know what it felt like when I played this version of the game, twenty, you know, the 20 version on Stadia, and it didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. You have to give me something that is a carrot on the stick. And every time that carrot comes out, it's a little bit rotten. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like, I don't want that. That's going to give that's going to give me bubble guts. I don't want that carrot. That's not going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, and they just haven't figured out how they want to speak about the things that they want to offer up to people 
And then as soon as they speak about those things, actually come through on the promises that they that they've given out to the people. And once yeah. they do that, then they'll be better off. But they, until then, it's like you keep telling me things that I can't believe. It's not because the technology doesn't work. It's because you haven't figured out exactly what you want me to have. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it's weird. You know, if, if this was the the slate of games that they were announcing for one low, low monthly fee, like mm-hmm. Microsoft is doing, I'd be like, hey, this is pretty solid, right? If I if I pay my my Stadia fee and I get all these games, I, I get Sekiro and I get NBA, I get WWE Battleground, I get uh, you know all these get Serious Sam, and I'm gonna get uh, Valhalla and and Cyberpunk when they land on this system. Everything I get all of that for one low monthly fee or, or middling monthly fee. Even now we're talking. Now it seems like oh, this is a real competitor to Xbox Game Pass. Mm-hmm. But the idea that I, I have to buy all these games individually. Now I agree with you. Who are they talking to, right? Who is, who's the person that tunes into a Google connect event and hasn't already played these games. If they love these games, right? If you love these games, you all aren't excited about playing these games. You've already played them somewhere Mm -hmm. because they're out and they've been out for a long time. So who are you talking to now? If you are, entire market strategy is to bring games to people that don't know they want them. That's awesome, right? Okay. Then now you need to change your messaging and say, we're talking to people who don't normally tune in to Google connects to, to E3 type events, right? We're talking to people who don't know that they would love these games and don't know how easy it is. Wouldn't buy a $400 console or a gaming PC and didn't know they would love these games, but now because it's so easy and you can play it on whatever device you already have and it still looks cool, it looks like you're playing it on a console, but you're playing it on your Chromebook. Now I get it. Now I go, okay, you're actually trying to expand the audience and you're talking to these people, but they're not doing that. They're well, not well, They're not messaging that way. Well, the problem is, and this, I think this is the crux of where they find themselves, and I think this is a part of the marketing that they they never got right because they couldn't say it out loud, which was the Stadia is a situational device. It is your, it is your second tier, I can't get into the room that I want to get into and use the TV in the way that I want or use <laughs> right. the PC in the way I want device. Right. The problem was this would have been perfect for the folks who traveled a lot, for the folks who had you know, the, the, the need it's like, if you had the, 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 everyone is in your house moment and you're like, I need to get away. Like, it's great for that. And then COVID hit and shut everybody down and said, you can't fly anywhere. So all those business trips <laughs> that you're going to use your stadia on, you're not going to use it. I right. But, and, but, and if they were, but if my point is, if they were doing that, I mean, that's what Microsoft is doing. They're saying, Hey, it's this thing that we're adding on to this thing you already have. Right. It's like this added bonus of functionality. It's like, Oh, you love these games. Oh, well, why don't, we might as well just let you play them wherever you want. Here's X cloud bundled into the subscription you already have. That's to me, that's the messaging of, of, of a convenience device. But if it, but that's not the messaging that got me to buy it. The messaging no. that got me to buy it is, it's like a billion D computers strapped together. It's going to be, it's better than any of the consoles because it's all the consoles. You know, that was the thing that they sold to me was not, not only is it convenient, it's actually going, we're leveraging the power of all these supercomputers and you're going to see stuff that just isn't possible on anything else. And then I'm like, take my money, right? And but then you had, 
But then you had a really big dude behind you that had that wore like a really tight shirt. He looked like a bouncer, and he was, and yeah. he had a big Comcast shirt behind you. <laughs> That's true. And he was like, he was like, "Yo, fam, I heard you got all this data right here behind you. You can't get into this club." He's like, "You have the wrong shoes on, fam. You can't get in here." What are you doing? What are you doing? All this data that you're going to use for the stadium? You want four Ks? Yeah, How okay. About, I got I got four fists for you. <laughs> these four fists, you're not getting any of these Ks. You might take four Ls, but you're not going to get any of the other stuff. <laughs> it's madness. Yeah. Well, problem with it, and because the way you described it is unfortunately, in my opinion, what the service has kind of become. It's like the right. I need to escape screen. But if, as Jeff, you know, mentioned the way they were talking about it, if it delivered games better than the xbox one x did and they played as smoothly as they say they did then it it does free up these consoles from under my tv and it keeps me from buying a 500 ps5 or you know whatever it is then it is truly freeing and i have the best experience on any screen that's incredible unfortunately i enjoyed playing destiny on stadia but it's not as good as playing it on console right PC. Red Dead doesn't look as good on Stadia as it looks on Xbox One X. So like it can't, it it became relegated to this other experience, like the not ideal experience, because they can't deliver games the way that you're already playing them. And as we mentioned, these games that they announced at their Connect aren't new. It's so it's super, and there are some new games, but not like things that, you know, bring the boys to the yard. You know what I mean? Like it's... (laughs) It, it, it's hard to get excited and, and, and stoked for this stuff. And so if it was like day and day game looks as good as PS4 pro and Xbox one X, uh, these big games played anywhere, even if I'm buying the game, I'm down to do that. I am, I am down to do that, but it fails on all of those core principles and it's super frustrating. Yeah. I'm with you. I still have mine. It's still in the yeah, closet. Me too. I look at it from time to time, wistfully. Waiting for it to have relevance or give me a reason to pull it out of the closet. For sure. Yeah, I believe in the tech. The tech yeah. works. The tech yeah. is already working. I've seen it in multiple places and multiple, multiple uh, 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 people doing that work. And yeah. it's just so weird that Google, as big as they are, can't get that thing right. It's so frustrating. Well, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that Google has done something like that, but... <laughs> It does. It does boggle the mind. All right, let's uh, let's talk about some of those games you played that way, and and other games that you are playing. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Quip. Oh, last night, last night, I didn't realize that Quip was sponsoring this week. Uh, but last night, I swapped out my Quip toothbrush brush head. Your Quip tip. My Quip tip. Ooh, is that the is that the official way they talk about it? Because it should be. If it's not, TM. Um, yeah, my quip tip, the, the, the brush head, the, you know, my, I love my quip toothbrush. And one of the things I love most about it is that I have a subscription to toothpaste, battery, brush head every three months as dentists recommend replace your toothbrush, right? I not once in my life did I replace my toothbrush after three months until I got my quip and I got this subscription to a new brush head, battery, and toothpaste and so i get my little package in the mail it's so slick it's got cool packaging it's got little instructions in it i pop off my old brush head and then even in the instructions it says use your old brush head to like clean the the base of the of the tooth toothbrush of the quip so clever it's like of course yeah you've got a brush right there you're gonna throw in the garbage anyways use that to clean it and then you pop the new 
brush head on. And then it's glorious. It's like fresh bristles. Uh, it, there's something just lovely about fresh, fresh bristles. And I love my quip. I love that. I love that subscription. I love the fact that I'm actually doing great oral hygiene. I'm actually brushing for two minutes, which is also dentist recommended because the quip vibrates for two minutes. And every 30 seconds of that two minutes, it pulses to let me know I'm 30 seconds closer to being done and then turns itself off after two minutes. So I always go for two minutes. Doesn't matter what I'm thinking about, where my mind wanders to. I always go for two minutes because the quip is taking care of that. It's better. It's better. It's it's just the way the toothbrush should be. It's cool. I put it in my little stand on my mirror. It's great. Join over 3 million happy customers that practice good oral care easily and affordably with Quip, starting at just 25 bucks. And if you go to getquip.com slash DLC right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first new brush head, new battery, new toothpaste. Your first refill free at getquip.com slash DLC. That's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash DLC. Quip, the good habits company. We are, we are going to talk Ghost of Tsushima. We are, we are, we are, we are. But before that, Khalif is here. I know you've talked about this already because it happened a week ago, but we, we were not able to play any of the new Ubisoft stuff early, and you have. So I'm excited to pick your brain because I'm in this horrible position <laughs> of being very excited about Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but it comes out two days before Cyberpunk. And so it's like it's like this you know, um, Sophie's choice of video games. Uh, tell me about, we'll start with that one. Tell me about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. What was your hands on? You got to play what? Three hours of it. Is that right? Five hours, five hours, five hours of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It, It feels extremely good. Like, so talking about the cloud, uh, we got a chance to play that through Parsec, which is a kind of remote, uh, desktop app that you get, you play kind of arcade games through and you can get on other people's computers through it. So uh, this was, no, story was in. Um, you did not say the word Stadia. Go ahead. <laughs> it was not on Stadia uh, <laughs> at no. all. Um, and, it, and it was such an interesting uh, experience um, because it worked really well. And I honestly don't think that demos and in-person events are going to be the same ever again because it works so well. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of thing where we would get invited to a room and you would walk in and there'd be a bunch of computers set up and a bunch of journalists and you'd go and you'd sit down and you'd have your time. That's what we've been doing for the last decade, uh, you know, of, of and more, really, of yep. covering video games. You yeah, think this is this brilliant. is just better, right? It's just better. Like, why it, get in a car? <laughs> you don't need to fly anywhere. And I mean, yeah. to a certain extent, like the that part of it is brilliant. And shout out to Ubisoft for like figuring that 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 part out and like making yeah. that available to folks. But um, ACV, uh, it just feels really good. Like, uh, you know, you go in, you start, and kind of running through this one particular. Uh, mission where you kind of start off, you know, climbing the rooftops and you're going through the siege battle. Uh, you kind of start off on a, on a big boat, kind of ramming your way through, through the sea. And then you, you crash against the, the, the rocks and you kind of jump off the boat. And then you go into this one section where you have the uh, like big battering ram and your team is kind of like rolling this big battering ram up a hill. 
and you're going and knocking through people and knocking through walls. And every time you get to a wall, you have to stop and fight. And you have all the kind of trappings from an, uh, an Assassin's Creed game, but it has this really dope. Uh, of course, we all know it's about Vikings and the Viking layer to it just feels really good in terms of the weapons that you have, the, 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 the visceral way that you kind of have combat. It just feels so well made mm. and that they've taken the time to not only dig into the lore, which they do really well with all these Assassin's Creed games, but everything that you touch and feel and kind of go through when you're going in the space just feels like it's all really handcrafted in a way that makes it feel really special. Um, you had a choice of, you know, the main character's name is Ivor. Oh yeah. Their choices of the female or male versions of, of the two. I pick, I picked the, the, the lady version. Lady Ivor was my character. Um, and I felt like if you're thinking about picking up this game, whenever it drops, I would tell you to probably check out, and, and make sure you're using Lady Ivor for this. One, because she's just a badass. Two, when I switched over to the dude version of Ivor, his voice didn't sound as cool mm. <laughs> as a Viking yeah. as Lady Ivor's did. She has just like this really great gruff and just like angry voice that sounds like fantastic just to be able to kind of run through and just beat people up and, and, and do all the things you do. That's kind um, of how I felt about Cassandra in... uh in Odyssey too. I was like, I can't imagine playing the male version, but I guess the news dropped this week that in uh, Valhalla, you'll be able to switch back and forth on the fly. Like even yes. in the middle of a, a save game, you can switch back and forth. Should you choose? That's pretty cool. Which was really smart because that was the thing I didn't, I didn't like from the previous version was the fact that I had picked lady, uh, lady Cassandra uh, to be my character anyway. Cause I knew I was just going to pick her to, to go in. Um, but I wanted to check out and see what the dude version was, and you'd have to start all over again. And this, yeah. you can literally just swap on the fly. It's crazy, and it drops you off right where you were, right where you were. Um, and it felt good. Um, a lot of really cool super moves in there for for uh, the new characters. Uh, like I remember going and, and bouncing from one fight to another fight. I threw my axes and threw one through a dude's chest and then spun around and hit this other guy with a spear that I found on the ground. Mm. And it was just like really dynamic in the way that you kind of went through the fight. Um, and then moving forward, uh, one of the coolest parts about the game, cause I love mini games inside other games. Mm. Um, and they had these really, really dope uh, mini games. One was a drinking game. Of course, you <laughs> kind of have to have that in a Viking yeah. story. <laughs> right. Um, uh, which led to some uh, entanglement. Uh, if you've been paying attention to the Will Smith, Jada Pinkett, Jada Pinkett Smith <laughs> story, uh, so there was some entanglement in the demo, which was fantastic uh, and really well done. Actually, it was actually really classy. <laughs> it was classy the way that they did that. Um, but then they also had this uh, section that was called Carns. Uh, I'm probably mispronouncing that. But basically, if you've ever seen on Instagram folks who like go to the river and stack rocks on top of each other and they have these oh, like, yeah, little, yeah. Little, little totems of rocks that are kind of put together, there's a mini game where you just do that. And it was weirdly peaceful. It was kind of great. It was like Jenga, you know, reverse Jenga. Instead of pulling things out, you're putting the stuff on top and stacking. And there was um, like a challenge to it. It wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, beep, bleep, bleep. You're actually because they have physics. Oh, so they cool. have physics huh. on them. So you have to kind of figure out and balance them and spin them in a way and place them so that you can actually balance them on each other. Um, and my favorite mini game was something that I'd heard about right when they first talked about the game. Um, and I looked it up and I was like, what is flighting? So are you familiar with flighting? Flighting? No. Yes. So flighting 
from the way that, it, that I read it from Wikipedia, the best place to get all your information <laughs> was uh, Vikings. And during the time that they were around, they had this, this, uh, this act that they would do where they would basically battle rap each other, but in prose. So it's basically <laughs> wow. Viking battle rap in the game. Oh my gosh. Pre, you know, precursor to actual hip hop music, but it was like a thing that I was really just like, I had to look that thing up. I went down a deep rabbit hole on YouTube, was trying to figure out people who were doing flighting and stuff. So it's and like it's just a series game. of insults. It's a series of insults. It's totally. <laughs> it's like your mama jokes. <laughs> yes. It's like your mama jokes but in, in the time of Vikings. And wow. it's, it's not great. But, <laughs> it's not great. Uh, they needed more such the entertainer in it. But it was pretty good in the way that they kind of added that layer to to the game. And I think it's going to be pretty cool when, when it winds up coming out. So combat, again, felt extremely polished. Um, and I'm really excited to learn about the, the, the actual world that they're going to build around these characters because the stuff that they're trying to do uh some stuff that i can't say um is is really cool <laughs> like yeah really fun stuff for sure did you try any of the dual wielding stuff yes the dual wielding stuff was really good actually i was actually surprised at how well that stuff felt um like weirdly like the, one of the things they tout is the fact that you can use like two shields yeah <laughs> You're like, you can fight with two shields it's fantastic um the dual wielding felt really good like it, it I think what did I use? I had like a kind of short axe and then I had like a a longer like a mace that I was using to kind cool. of dual wield that way, which was which was pretty cool. Um none of it felt really awkward or didn't feel like it, you know, animated well or or all those things kind of felt like it fit the the character too, which I thought was was really interesting. The one thing that I did um think of a lot was I am not a big Witcher fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but this felt like the best mashup of a Witcher game and an end a Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. Like yeah, it's the, really the direction they're going now, you know, it's like, that's really what the games they're trying to make, which I love. I'm, I'm, I am a fan of the Witcher. So I'm that, that's why I like this, this franchise now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be really cool. Like, I, again, I think that folks who are coming into this thing and having that expectation to feel like they wanted that good mashup, they're going to get exactly what they thought they were going to get with this game. And and it felt, it felt fantastic. And there's probably, I think also some boat, uh, battle stuff in there too. Um, I just yeah. didn't really get a chance to check that stuff out. Oh man. I, it does sound like it's more of the same, but for me, the same is something I really, really loved. So I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm excited. And, and you said the siege stuff worked well. It's, it felt interesting and not sort of tedious. I mean, some of that, some of that, in a video game like that, a big third-person action game, sometimes, you know, I think of like Lord of the Rings games. There's games where you're supposed to be on a big tapestry of action and there's a lot of AI doing things. And sometimes it just can feel like more of a nuisance than anything else. Right. Did you get a sense that it, it felt big and huge and cool and impactful or did it just feel like, you know, just a different background for the same stuff? I mean, it's too hard to, it's, it's kind of early to tell, to be honest, when it comes to that part. Like, I, I, the thing that I came away thinking and really wondering was, of course, the conversation around, like, why you are a assassin and how you kind of link to the lineage of the other assassins is the thing that makes that game and that story really cool. Mm. It's the thing that I we didn't really get a chance to see within the demo that we had. Sure, but yeah. but it was a, it was also one of those things where you know she's walking around with this this wrist blade, 
and no one is paying attention to it. Like no one is remarking about it. No one's like, oh, you have this thing that nobody else has that I've not seen anybody else as a, as a Viking use. But you just have this really cool weapon that you want to run around and shank people, <laughs> shank people with. Yeah. So, like, I want to see how they link and, and add that layer to the story, uh, which is going to be the, the the more interesting part. And also, like, the way that they do the base building. So you have, like, this one. Uh, it's a part of the game mechanic where you have this, uh, like, mini town that you that you cultivate and you, and you grow. Um, and they have a, a a mode that kind of seems to play directly into that by giving you resources or you basically taking resources um, and then building uh, your 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 homeland or your kind of like safe space uh, with those resources. So uh, that's going to be that's going to be interesting to see how you build that up over time throughout your yeah. gameplay, too, and what you get from that. Yeah, really different element to the game. Oh, I'm excited. Um, you, you also got a chance to play um, Watch Dogs Legion. Is that right? Watch Those Legion is the joint. That is really? my game. Yes. Watch Those Legion is, I came away more excited about that than Valhalla. Wow. By it, far. Were you a fan of the Watch Dogs games previously? Watch Dogs 2, yes. Watch Dogs 1, no. Okay. Uh, but Watch Dogs 2, I saw where they were going and was really on, on, on that board with them to be like, please build this out into a bigger and better world. And I remember when I got a chance to uh, interview Clint Hawking back at E3, uh, who's the creative director on the game. You know, the conversation about being anyone in the world was something I kind of just like I threw my hands up. I was like, yeah, whatever. This this is going to be some really like rote thing where you really get to be like two people and they all have the same look and it's going to be the same character, basically. But they are really going in on the like you can be anyone in the game. So for so so one of the missions, you start off as a as a Bobby, as, as a as a as a British cop. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you go into what they have as kind of the, uh, the like they have the cops and they have this like kind of paramilitary organization has grown itself uh, and it's kind of taken over for do the do the kind of like taking care of the city parts of the game. And my playthrough had this one character come out of the building that I then surveilled, looked at what they were going to do for that day. And then went through the list of uh, missions that would let that person then join DeadSec, which is my team. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it took me to a couple of different missions where I had to infiltrate, uh, become a part of the kind of environment by uh, being a, a character that would kind of be in that spot anyway. So I moved to a construction site. And then I had a person who was a construction worker in my group. I then changed to that person infiltrated into that spot and, and and the trappings of that character come along with the kind of occupation that you had so that that character for a weapon had a nail gun and a wrench because they're a construction worker right um so i'm like no construction worker can use a gun i mean a nail gun (laughs) totally works (laughs) yeah right it's like why is there's a two by four in your pocket are you just happy to see it's like one of those (laughs) weird things but it but it felt like each one of the characters that i used not only had their own versions of lore, but they had reasons for being in the world and they had their own lives and they had their own, you know, things that they would do. Um, and then going into those story beats to try to get this one person to be on my team, it just felt like the possibilities of building out what is going to wind up being my dead sex squad is going to be really fun because then I get to pick not only based on need, but I also get to pick based on, you know, aesthetic 
kind of to a certain extent. It's like, oh, this this kid is a punk kid who has a mohawk and he looks really cool. He has some hacking abilities and he does all this other stuff. Or, you know, this one young woman is a spy uh, who comes with her own, you know, rocket laden car. Uh, you know, it's, it's like all these weird, like, it's, it's kind of like, you know, uh, uh, kind of the stereotype of the, the, you know, the genre of whatever game you wanted to have. You have yeah. all the people in it and right. then all those folks have their special abilities. But I think what it's going to wind up doing is that same conversations you always have about like, my game is very different than your game. And whatever you did to get a mission done is very different than what I got to do in my mission. Those yeah. stories are going to be the things that drive the conversation around this game being like, yo, Jeff, how did you get through this one mission? Like, yeah, it'd just oh. be wildly different because the, the tools that we had at our disposal at the given time of doing that mission were wildly different. Yeah, like I remember I had, um, and this is from my previous demo, not even the one that I just went through. I remember um, one of my characters, uh, you don't die. Your characters don't die. So they just get knocked out for a period of time. So I lost one character. He got shot. Uh, rest in peace, uh, construction dude. And then I had a doctor on my team. And that doctor... Then, because that person was in my squad, they revived faster. They came back faster because I had a, a doctor in my team. I had one character who had a gambling debt, um, and I was a cop at that part uh, part of the game. I went into the police station and removed their their uh, previous record out of the database, huh. and then those folks Wild. were able to be a part of my team where they had more affinity towards what I was trying to do for them. That's it's so many cool like interlocking systems that they're that they're putting into that game where you're really paying attention to not only who you want in your squad but how you grow those relationships with them to get them onto your team um that's really intricate it's like literally jeff goes to the store at two two o'clock in the afternoon oh there's a mission at the store at two o'clock in the afternoon in the game time huh. It's cool stuff. It's this really is the dope. first time I've found, I've had any interest in this game. The, the, your your discussion of it is making me interested for the first time. It, it almost sounds to me like more like a real time strategy game. You know, mm -hmm. more like something like Command and Conquer or StarCraft, where you have these units and you can decide which units you want to use in your army right now. You know, it feels it feels more like a god game than a traditional third person action game. Yeah. And there's, and there's all these small little intricacies that go along with, you know, your characters and then how you kind of want to build them out. And then, you know, th just just the way that you want to tackle a situation, if you have enough folks in your squad, you can find ways to do that in a really comprehensive way. That was that's just so cool. Like I, one, one really, really quick thing, really fast is there was a part where I had uh, finally gotten that character who was a part of the major uh, corporations called Albion in the game. I infiltrated again, went into the, into the building. I'm now a cop who's in that section of the, of the world. I was able to uh, go through the base, handcuff everybody. They got on the ground and actually were like, you know, couldn't do anything. They were apprehended by me. Then there was a camera system that I jumped through uh, that you could do in the previous games. And I was able to hack into a plane from one of the, the the terminals and basically reroute uh, a story beat to come back to a place that I would be able to infiltrate. So basically there was a person on a plane that was going to a prison. I basically rerouted that plane to go back to another place where we can go get the person off that plane huh. in th like in story, but not in physical space. Yeah. So like you could go into the, the cockpit through the, through the, through the, through the cameras in the plane 
And then somewhere down the line, that person now is now, you know, on the ground somewhere else in the world. And then the person who I was trying to have more affinity with saw that that thing happened and then gave me kudos for it and then became cooler with me during the team. Wow. Cool stuff, man. Like the angles that they're working on are so dope. It really does seem like things that you've never really done in a game before. These, the interpersonal relationships and like, yeah. Uh, you know, this Rube Goldberg machine of, (laughs) of of interlocking parts. Christian, I know you have been, uh, pretty uninterested in this game. Hearing Khalif talk about Watchdogs Legion, is it having the same effect it's having for me where I'm like, well, now I'm interested. Unfortunately, no. Um, (laughs) I find, I mean, I have not played it, so you know who knows how that will will change for me. But I feel like it it seems like the act of playing is still very much the same. Mm. Um, it, you know, kind of a standard Ubisoft experience. And uh, my biggest fear, as I I think I mentioned that maybe a couple of episodes ago, for me, what really brings me to game is like narrative and, and like a point of view. And I I I think I read this somewhere also. Uh, someone else describing this maybe it's Twitter. I, I forget. But like, who's my protagonist? Like, I, I kind of like to fall into a person, whether that's me as like an RPG and I create this character that I then fall in love with and want to play and experience their world or it's, a, you know, Joel or, you know, Master Chief or whomever, right? And like have this experience with this person. And, and my fear is for this game that I won't ever be attached to anyone and it will just kind of be like... um metal gear solid vr missions you know (laughs) complete this thing and that has never been the type of thing that truly excites me i'll go back to vr missions because i fell in love with solid snake and i want to play you know more experiences in that world but just checking things off of a big open world map isn't what what gets me you know excited about a game but this was on the subreddit for a while you know with uh, Legion and then Valhalla. Uh, Ubisoft has a stack of games coming out, and Uplay Plus is a heck of a way to play them for cheap. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's how I played Breakpoint, and then I canceled my sub when I fell out of that game. So I'm certain that I will play Watchdog Legion, but yeah, I, I, I'm afraid it's going to be more of a a map go do stuff than it is a game that that pulls me back into it, you know, wanting to see this story through. Fair enough. Well, lots of exciting stuff. Uh, and let's, let's transition now and talk about a game. All three of us have played this week and that is ghost of Tsushima. The, the really, the big release of the week, at least for the PlayStation platform. Uh, this is sucker punches, new game, a game, uh, I certainly have been very excited about since I first saw it debuted low, those many E threes ago. Uh, and, uh, let's start with you, Khalif. What's your take on Ghost of Tsushima? Ooh, um, Ghost of Tsushima is like, it is the most beautiful game I've seen in probably two generations. I'd have to say like, really? I think, more, I, than, I mean, more than last of us. Oh yeah. By far. Like, wow. I mean, and I love last of us two and love and last of us one. Like, I think that those two games are high watermarks in, in lots of different ways. And, um, it's it's a fantastic part of the series, those two games. But I think like this, from an aesthetic standpoint, they have nailed lighting in a way that I've never seen done on console. Like mm. I played it and finished it and, and went through the whole process of, of, of reviewing it. The review is on our YouTube channel now. But it's like one of those things where 
when I come away from the game, besides its beauty and its and its kind of you know take on lore and and Japanese uh, Japanese lore especially, I came away from that game bored out of my mind. I was so bored out of that game. Like that game is fantastic to look at, but it's not that great to play. Yeah. Um, characters are forgettable. The combat felt super repetitive. The camera is not great in, in lots of different ways. Uh, cause the ones that are getting caught are tracking you behind stuff. Uh, when you're trying to fight like hordes of people. Um, mm-hmm. so the, it's, it's a weird game because sucker punch does such a fantastic job at making really great big worlds or, or kind of stories that kind of look into that space. But what they they just missed some really fundamental things within this game that they could have gotten right, um, and it feels like the things that they try to do that are the touchstones of what the game was supposed to be. So like the conversation that was always there, from at least my recollection, was your character is always trying to balance out this like honor system that you have as a samurai, and then you deviating from that and under the kind of moniker of the ghost, right? Right. Um, and it never feels like in the time that I played it that any of the cool ghost stuff that you wind up doing, even though that's supposed to be not great, like you're not supposed to do it because that's where your honor is supposed to be removed from you. Mm-hmm. It never feels like you get punished for any of that stuff. So right. you you use it and it's fantastic and great. And I think, honestly, it's probably the better parts of the game. But you don't get knocked in a narrative sense. You don't get knocked in a way that makes you have to think about ever really engaging with it in a way besides, you know, racking up more ability points. Um, and I, and I, th- I think that the, the problem with all that is just like, there are layers to it that could have been so cool. Uh, and even small things like they have this really dope mechanic. That's, um, that's kind of like a, a standoff mechanic. So yeah. that's part of your, your, your honor code is like you never fight someone from behind. You're always looking them in the eye when you when you when you go after them and you kill them. Um, and it's basically like when I was growing up in the hood and we would call each other out from the from the from the project window. We'd be like, "Yo, you outside? Like, yo, I'm outside too. You coming downstairs? Y'all coming downstairs? I'm about to fight you." Okay. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and it's like, all right. So like when you first do that, it feels cool because you're like, I am a samurai. I'm a badass. I'm about to take on all these people and I'm about to beat them up. And then after you do it for the 7,000th time, it doesn't feel cool anymore. And they gave you enough things that it makes you a more competent fighter, but it doesn't make you a more skilled fighter, Mm. which I think is the problem. Because the whole thing about that game is like samurai fights and the the Kurosawa mode and all those things are like supposed to bring you closer to this battle. That's supposed to be this one-on-one mano-y-mano thing. And it doesn't feel like that when you actually get into fights besides the duels, which are really well done. I think the duel systems, like not the ones where you're kind of like doing the standoffs, but the ones where you're having the one-on-one fights with other characters, those feel fantastic because you're really going and doing that dance of like, all right, what style do I need to use to battle against what this person just did? This person just changed their stance. Oh, I need to figure out a way to combat that. But it yeah, doesn't just, feel like that in the like moment to moment parts of the actual game. Yeah, just to be clear with the audience, if if anybody listening isn't aware of of the different sort of layers that Khalif is talking about, you know, there's a the big open world fight where you get into fights with uh you know enemies as you would in any open world third person action game. But there's a standoff mechanic where you literally hold down the triangle button 
And it's it's like who's going to flinch first and uh-huh. you have to wait until the moment that your enemy starts coming at you to release the triangle button and then you can just one hit kill. But the enemies start to do things like kind of feign that they're going to attack and it, there's some little complications that start to arise. It gets a little more complicated than just waiting a second and letting go. Uh, and there were a couple of times where I missed it, right? I, I let mm-hmm. it go and it, they weren't attacking me or they faked or whatever. And so, you know, it, it is kind of neat. And it's something I'd never seen in a game before. And then there's the other layer, as Khalif was referring to, of these duels, which are much more like boss battles, mm-hmm. where the the whole perspective of the game changes. You get much more, much closer to the characters. There's a big health bar for your enemy. And yeah, the, it, it's much more intense. And there are these big moments of of fighting and the the fights are longer and protracted it feels like a boss fight so those are the levels yeah right 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 and it, i just i just wish that the layers that they they put into the game that were really really fun you got more of that like this is be the perfect game if it wasn't an open world game like this is that classic if this was a tight 12 to 15 hour story mm. this would be brilliant yeah. um but if but because you you make it so big and you add all these extra layers and you put all these folks in the car in the, in the story that don't really have consequence. And I'm just like, why would you do that? You don't need them. You don't need that stuff to do the thing that you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, so people got mad at me with my review. <laughs> people are not happy with me. Cause I was like, this is a two out of five game in my mind. And they were like, what are you talking about? Khalif Adams. <laughs> well, I have to be honest. I'm, I'm much more on your side, uh, than, than, I think Christian side, but I want to hear what Christian has to say, because I think Christian, you, you are much bigger fan of this game than either of us. Yeah. I'm at like the seven to 10 hour mark. I know Khalif, you said you finished it for review. So just for context where I am, that's, that's where I am in the game. I started playing it Thursday at release. Um, and before I start, I will say it is an open world game, right? If you do not like open world games, I do not think this game will change your mind. I've pet many a Fox to get, experience no and it's (laughs) what's this it's a fox great um it is that it is that it it doesn't reinvent that it i you know does what a lot of the best in class of that do um but it doesn't feel like it brings tons new in terms of that open worldiness of that um with that said i absolutely love this game i i am in love with it i enjoy playing it I started from the very beginning in Kurosawa mode and I have not. The only time I've seen this game in color is on Twitter or in a trailer. Never has it graced my screen, not in uh, Kurosawa mode. And I'm just embracing it for the entire playthrough. I think it is making it a little more difficult. Like there's a very early mission where it's like, uh, or I think it's a mission, not an optional thing, but it's like explode. You have to explode these barrels. And I was like, where are these barrels? I was like, <laughs> they're the red ones. Oh, darn it. <laughs> I bet. And even like one of the types of enemies, like when they glint blue, do this. And I'm like, well, they're not going to glint blue for me. <laughs> I gotta figure out. <laughs> you know, I got to, I got to figure out what this is. And someone in chat says, wait till I have to find certain color of flowers. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that will happen. Um, but I, I am just awestruck by the beauty of the presentation in the way that I am playing it. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels, it, it seems silly perhaps that just a color shift and um, default Japanese uh, voiceover, I do wish lip sync matched the voiceover. Um, 
and like the little warp to perspective and, and like the sound, the way they change the sound and it's super windy in this mode and like the, all the changes that they went into it to make it feel as it's if, pretty windy in every mode. This game, <laughs> it's super I, windy. I only read <laughs> out the changes and they said that like they upped the wind even more in Kurosawa mode, but like the changes they made to you know get the blessing of the family and do this, it, it to me really elevates the game from what might be another very good open world game to something that I just want to get lost in and just walk around and experience. I think, um, I don't know if you still call it cinematography and and video games or not. Um, but moments where I'm playing like a Ubisoft game demo, you know, I'm like walking and panning the camera up to see the light coming through these trees. And it's Mm. absolutely stunning. And I feel like I am this person in this world experiencing it as it comes to me. I love the wind at my back mechanic and how that kind of rolls into the story and, and feels, you know, personal and important. And I'm not just trying to jump from place to place. I I'm playing on a base PS4. The load times have been incredible. Fast travel is never a hinder if I want to use it. Um, But I also find myself wanting to be on my horse and exploring, you know, this Island and this land and, I like the way it's not. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure the. I'm sure the load times are lower for you because it doesn't have to load any color. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the way it doesn't have to. Uh, you know, like following the wind. It's not like a yellow line on the ground. Like it, I, I follow the wind. It's like, oh, that's a mountain. Okay, I'm going to go around this thing a little bit and you know, kind of feel my way through this world in in, in an environment that I haven't played a lot of games in, I think is another thing that makes it feel fresh and fun and invigorating. And I think as open world games go, I I think it does a really good job for passing the, dare I coin it, the Spicer test of open world games, where it's like, you must save the world from dying or open this popcorn stand and generate money from popcorn. Like, like, (laughs) what am I doing? Like this game, and again, I'm seven to 10 hours in, but like it opens... Uh, I'll speak vaguely. It opens with, you know, there's a thing in your life and the character's like, I'm going to go do this thing. And then no, you know, like the character has the same motivation that I would have. Like, I'm going to go take care of this. And I think the game very correctly within its narrative allows that thing not to be taken care of in that manner, in that way at that time. And so I'm open worlding to allow myself to be able to take care of this thing. Like, yes, again, petting foxes, and there's, there is that open-worldiness stuff, but a lot of these missions that I'm going off on now make sense for my larger purpose and what I'm trying to do. And I also think the way they positioned the samurai code is like, you know, I am a character who is just going to help these people. That is what I'm going to do. I know my ultimate mission and what it is, but I am going to do this thing for 20 minutes because that's who I am. That's the type of person I am. That's what they look to me for. It's important for me to go do this. And then I love, I love the combat. It feels different than, and oh, I should also back up and say, I did not put 120 hours into Assassin's Creed Origins or Odyssey. Uh, I played more um, Origins than I did Odyssey, but I put a decent amount of time into both, but not tons. So I'm not, you know, I don't have this open world fatigue or sameness kind of thing that might, that others might. Um, but my recollection of both Origins and Odyssey, the combat in Ghost seems different to me, where if I'm skilled and I play it right, I can mow through 
you know, five to seven enemies very quickly. And, and it also might be that I'm playing with a back paddle on my PS4 controller. And so I have that set to triangle and square. I'm trying to think of reasons why I love this game more than I think other of my peers seem to. So maybe it's that, that mechanic of using my, you know, back fingers on the controller makes the combat feel different somehow. Um, but the timing and the rhythm of it, it's just, and the animation, the movements, when you break a guard and then like light, light, heavy on somebody. And I see like the weight of my character moving through the world before finishing somebody off to then turn and spin and be ready for the next attack. It it's, it's incredible. I, I, I can't stop thinking about the game. The photo mode is phenomenal. All of the options in it, the amount of times I'm capturing video to then make a gif out of just to keep and look at on my phone. Um, yeah, I'm really blown away. I am probably mainlining things a little more than, than others would. Like I said, I'm not a look at the map, look at all the boxes I can go do, go do them all kind of person. I let kind of curiosity take me where it takes me, but I'm on my way to a mission. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to not mission and be like, let's wander the world for two hours. It's like, no, I'm going here. Let's see what's between me and here. And if it's, you know, interesting enough. Um, but I, I think, I think they did a lot right. And the other thing that I will say is maybe a caveat for why I'm really enjoying it. Um, you know, I was fortunate to play the last of us part two early. Right. Um, and since I finished that game, I've been struggling to find a game that I could fall in love with. And you know, it's, it's been a while, right? Like I, I got to finish last of us part two early and I played a games, but that game last of us part two had such an impact on me that other things kind of just like, yeah, I'll play this for an hour. I'll dive into this. And maybe it's been long enough now, or maybe Kurosawa mode makes it feel different enough, but I'm all in. I am all in on this game. And, you know, I love you both, but I kind of wish I was playing it. <laughs> like <laughs> on his anniversary, no less. Jeez. Yeah. No less. No less. Yeah. Really connected for me. And I think I like the way the combat Assassin's Creed for me, and maybe this will change in, in Ghost as I get further. But like Assassin's Creed, I could kind of mash my way through the combat or I became pretty OP. And I still feel like I'm planning and using my ghost techniques and trying to triage a, a large group of people to like use terrain to get distance between me and somebody else to then circle back around and take them down. Um, yeah, I think criticisms of it are fair and valid, but it's really connected for me in, in a way that I am really enjoying my, my time with it. And I, I highly recommend it. I'm really glad to hear that you like it so much. I, I, um, I wish I did. I really was so excited for this game. I'm a huge fan of Sucker Punch. The, in, the infamous games, I think, are hugely underrated. And I was so excited for them to kind of uh, make that, take that next step, you know, take that next step and become a real top-tier AAA developer that everybody was, was noticing and, and watching. And I thought this franchise would do it, and maybe it is. Maybe it will do it. Maybe it is doing it. But... I can't help but feel like it really wants to be Assassin's Creed and it just doesn't have the polish of an Assassin's Creed for me. Um, I, I I respect everything you said, Christian, and I'm, I'm super glad you're having that experience. I, I wish I was having that experience. I, I'm not playing in Kurosawa mode. I don't even agree 100% with what 
Khalif said about how beautiful the game is. I think it has certainly has moments of beauty, uh, unbelievable beauty. And the lighting in particular is great. I mean, like all samurai movies, everything that happens in this game happens at sunset or <laughs> with a full moon out, you know, or which is awesome, right? I love embracing that aesthetic and the the tone and feeling. You know, just they're leaning all the way into the samurai movie, which is great. I mean, that's great. I I've been wanting. I've been predicting a samurai, uh, a feudal Japan set Assassin's Creed for years, thinking that that Ubisoft was going to do that. And this is that game in a lot of ways, right? This is the feudal, uh, the uh, the the samurai version of Assassin's Creed. I just don't think it has the polish of an Assassin's Creed. Um, there are a lot of moments where the the animations were just wonky and weird. I can only climb things where there's you know these very noticeable hand marks. I can't climb everything like I can in Assassin's Creed those are minor nitpicks, right? But there's so much of the game just feels a little cookie cutter and, and not full of, of identity and character and, and, uh, uniqueness that I felt like sucker punch would bring to this. And while the combat I think is really kind of cool. Like I, I dig the standoffs. I dig the duels. I think the fact that it leans into the fact that you're a samurai, you're not going to be smacking somebody 400 times with your samurai sword. You're going to cut them twice and they're going to be dead. You know, I think that I love that it leans into that at least early on a little later, you know, enemies get tougher and you have to smack them more times if you don't upgrade your swords. But, um, but I like that. I think it's cool that things are deadly and that you can die in a couple of hits too. You know, you're constantly tapping your health to, to get through fights, at least I was. Also not uh, for dying, which I love. Like, I feel like I'm back to pretty close to where I was in an encounter. Again, yeah. load times. Um, I think they handle that really well. Mm-hmm. I agree. Agreed. But the, I feel like some of it is a missed opportunity. I, I think the, um, the items and uh, things that you begin to open up and get a bigger repertoire of moves makes things interesting, you know, um, sticky bombs and smoke bombs and, and all the kinds of cool ninja stuff that you get is cool. But, you know, the game makes such a big deal about opening up these different stances. And I was so excited about that as a, you know, you get these samurai stances, but it becomes this sort of, I think, kind of tepid rock, paper, scissors thing where it's like, okay, a guy with a shield, I get into that stance, you know, water stance, whatever it is. You know, a guy, you know, the, the guy with the spears, I get into the spear stancey thing. You know, it's, it just becomes very rote. And even when I'm in another stance, nothing I do is different. I'm just in that stance now. You know, I'm not actually <laughs> doing, you know, I'm not actually doing anything any, any differently. I'm not, he's not performing the moves in any different way. That doesn't change up how I play. And I think it could have been, it could have been really cool. Like you change a stance and all of a sudden you're, you're playing the game in a different way. But it, it just doesn't do that. It's just this kind of aesthetic change that you have to, well, you don't have to, but you need to do to be more efficient in taking down a specific kind of foe. It just felt like a half step towards something interesting. And and then the rest of the game just feels kind of clunky. You know, like I would go up behind someone to assassinate them and they'd be crouched down and I would push the assassinate button and they'd stand up so that the animation of me assassinating them, which evidently only happens if you're standing up, would happen. You know, it's like <laughs> they're being... <laughs> very obliging to me to, to, you know, to stand up so I can assassinate them. It's, it's that kind of thing where it's like, it just all feels a little underbaked, you know, and the wind as a directional marker thing is such a cool idea 
on paper. And I feel like it's one of those things where the developers had this awesome idea to make the whole world full of, you know, high plants and, and weeds and wheat and, and flowers and stuff that move in the wind. And all of that is very samurai movie, beautiful, you know, uh, leaves falling off big red golden trees or pink trees. All of that aesthetically is really cool. And yes, wind and, and all of that visual is neat. And they went, what if we made the wind show you the way? And on paper, I was like, dude, that is the coolest thing ever. It keeps your eyes on the game. You don't have to look at a mini map. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Except I feel like they got to the point where they're like, you know, this this really doesn't work. It's super confusing. But they had pot committed to it already. You know, they're just like, <laughs> okay, okay, what we'll do, what we'll do, we'll just draw big wind lines on the screen. We'll just put draw big goofy wind lines that show you the direction to go. And that'll be clear. And it just feels like the most unsatisfying solution you know it's like oh the wind moves through the trees and you see which way you kind of can't really tell and they're like okay we'll put giant cartoonish wind lines pointing in the right direction for you and so it kind of defeats the whole purpose and it just felt like one of those things where if they had really been critical of their own work they would have just taken that out and come up with a different solution or revised it some other way and it's just like no this was such a core design element that they just shoehorned it in instead of making it elegant. And, and that kind of bums me out. Um, yeah, the whole, the whole game, it like has so much potential. I love, I love samurai movies. I love this aesthetic. I love this setting. I think the voice acting is cool. I think the, some of the story elements are really compelling. And, you know, the first time you fight someone as the moon is setting and you get into a duel and, the, you know, you just take your sword out and the leaves kick up. It's all so cool. And then you finish a mission and you're standing next to your horse and there's the cool, you know, Japanese language symbol and it, it dissolves in a in in dust and it's like yeah 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 it's just the playing of the game i had to keep forcing myself to go at, go back to it and i actually went back and loaded up assassin's creed odyssey because i'm like am i just like building that game up too high in my brain mm. in in comparison and i'm so curious cleef having played valhalla really close to when you were playing this game yeah how that comparison is for you because I just felt like this game wanted to be Assassin's Creed and it just didn't have what I love about Assassin, these late Assassin's Creed games. And that is this feeling of being completely improvisational all the time where all the systems are interacting in the world. None of them feel like, okay, I'm doing this system now and now I'm doing this system. It was all, you know, all at the same time I was going in and out of stealth and in and out of missions and taking down giant forts. And in this game, in Ghost of Tsushima, you know, I get into a mission or what they call a, a tail. I think it's called a tail. Right, um, right. And if I wander too far off the path, they're like, get back on the path or you fail. <laughs> right. Which I hate, dude. I hate that in the GTA games. I just, it just bums me out so much. And it just doesn't feel like the whole, all of the tapestry of what makes up the content of this big open world game overlaps. It just all feels like, okay, now I'm doing this bamboo thing and I need to do these certain button presses. And now I'm writing a haiku and all that stuff right. is cool in and of itself, it just doesn't add up to a unified expression to me, you know? And whereas it feels like the Assassin's Creed games, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having a fight and then, oh my gosh, one of the other assassins is coming at me from the, you know, this other system that is in the game where the assassins will like show up if you're, 
if your notoriety gets too high and then, oh my yep. gosh, now I have to deal with that in addition to the this thing that I'm trying to do and I'm trying to finish this mission. It just, it all seems cohesive in those games to me. It's a lot of stuff that when I think about where they could have gone with the next layer, I'm like, ooh, if you would have just done this or added this yeah. or removed that other thing. Because like you go through the game and you wind up getting these kind of like mini perks that you that you equip to your your character and you go through that game equipping all the stuff that really doesn't change that much to the way that you actually do anything there yeah. was one that was very very fundamentally like if i didn't have that one it would have made my gameplay a lot harder but for the most part you're doing a lot of this stuff and going through all these kind of side missions and, and the rewards that you get for them don't feel consequential yeah. Um, and I, w- I would say in terms of like, you know, comparing it to Assassin's Creed, it is Assassin's Creed. It's Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's Assassin's Creed 2, but it's not Assassin's Creed Origins. And, not, and, and again, like, it doesn't need to be Assassin's Creed. It doesn't need to be, you know, in that space. But like, when I think of what this game is, that's what that game is to me. Yeah. It's an AC2 game. And you know what that game was, which was an unpolished, needed to be refined game that they wind up getting better five games later. Yeah. And maybe um, this will too. I, and and listen, that's not to take away any any of Christian's observations, which yeah. you know I, I'm super glad that you're loving the game as much as you are. But it's interesting, Khalif. The, you're the first time. It's, it should have occurred to me. It didn't even cross my mind. But hearing you say it was the first time I'd heard anybody say, "I wish this game had just been a sort of a linear game." And I kind of mm-hmm. feel like, man, if it had been this linear tale of a samurai and it mm-hmm. took out all of the open worldy stuff it could have been something really special. And I feel like it just gets bogged down in its, it, it fall, it collapses under the weight of all the extra stuff that it layers on that I, I don't think makes the game better. It's weird because this game, if it was enter the dragon would have been a phenomenal game. Yeah. Like they tried to make this game too many things at once when it really needed to be something that was fairly simple in terms of its story. Yeah. When you can sprinkle in the other, you know, additional folks into it in, in, in a way that felt comprehensive and made it feel good. But like, if I wanted the revenge story that, you know, some of this game is to a certain extent, they could have figured out a way to do that in a, in yeah. a really smart way that felt like you were getting the story beats and that the people that you met during your, your troop to wherever you're going to go, um, would be something that felt like, really good in the way that last of us did where you like, mm. I know what I'm going to go do. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I know what the end result I'm trying to get to. I know what the feeling is that I'm trying to feel. Yeah. Or like um, a, like an uncharted that. or a tomb Raider or a, you know, one of those a to B to C to D games that are yeah. still telling a really cool story and giving you all these interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. It may have been better, but Christian, it sounds like you're kind of more playing it that way. Actually, you're kind of mainlining it more potentially. That's how I play open world games in general. Like I said, big maps with a bunch of question marks aren't what get me excited about games. Um, I, I want to be pulled through. And so far, this game has, is, is pulling me through, you know, really well. And I, I wonder if the game needed to just only do Kurosawa mode. Like, that was it, you know? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I, like I said, I, I, I do not plan on experiencing it any other way. And I wonder if that's just elevating it for me and making it feel different than a, a game that I've played a thousand times before. Certainly games have had black and white modes and uncharted four had a whole bunch of stuff. You know, a lot of it could be unlocked after 
but just diving in and playing it this way for the first time, I feel like I'm living in this, the samurai film and this movie and the experience is, 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 is just exquisite, but also, you know, Assassin's Creed didn't connect with me like Odyssey. I, I liked, but it felt a little cartoony and over the top. And, um, I, I thought those narrative beats were a little silly and those NPCs that were giving you missions. I, I didn't really like many of those characters. I thought they were annoying, annoying and obnoxious. And some of those side missions were felt superfluous to me and not really aiding in my journey as a character. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think it matters a lot if I buy into that hero story and that character's journey and ghost of Tsushima is, is doing that. I've really bought into the story and the journey and what I'm doing in this life. I'm living as this character and, um, Odyssey didn't click for me, but I think someone said this in the chat. I think the best thing about games is that we're all right. You know, <laughs> Yep. sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, it's opinions. Game exists, uh, and it's, and, you know, everyone, yeah, no, I'm, like, I'm excited to hear you talk more about it as you as you continue to play through it. I'm I'm super glad you're loving it, and you're you're not a lone voice here. You're a lone voice on this show, but a lot of people are have been loving it. I mean, it's getting great scores, and people are really digging the game as well. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I think it's completely valid your position. I don't mean to take anything away from it. Um, let's talk a little bit more about some of the other games you've been playing, Cleve, because I know you got some other uh, choice picks here. What, what else do you got on your playlist? Um, I've been playing super hot mind control delete. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Uh, if you're a fan of the original super hot VR game, uh, this is not a VR game. It is a standalone, uh, experience, uh, that is not DLC as well. Uh, it is a by its own self game. Um, it's really cool. Like it, it just plays on that aesthetic so well. Um, and throws a couple of loops here and there, uh, for you as the player, uh, which I found to be really fun experiencing it kind of blind. I was, I was streaming it and hadn't played any of it until I got on stream and, uh, was just taken aback. It was just like the kinetic feel of, all right, I'm going to go punch this dude, shoot this guy, hit this person with a bat. It was fantastic. Yeah, man. (laughs) Such a a great concept, that game. Oh, it's so, so good. So I've been playing a bunch of that. Uh, I've been playing, I've been digging into my Paragon bag again. So if you're familiar with Paragon, the the now not here, (laughs) dead in the water game from Epic, uh, which was a third person MOBA. Yeah, I was a huge fan of that for a very long time. That was my go to bed game for a while. Uh, A couple of folks, a couple of teams, now that all those assets have been given out for free by Epic, has decided to try to make their own games uh, in the same vein. And I've been playing one called Predecessor, which is right now, I would say the closest to what Paragon was uh, when it was alive. Um, And I'm digging it because one, it's making me play with a mouse and keys, uh, mouse and keyboard. Uh, cause I play on PC with a, with a controller mostly cause I'm a scrub, but it just feels really nice to be back in that space where that gameplay and those characters and that map, it all is coming back to me. I'm like, Oh, I know which lane I'm going to go to. I know which things I'm going to pick. I understand which ways that my character is going to work. And I miss that game so much. So like, this is I a love fan, this is a fan created uh ver- basically version of paragon with the same assets yeah. wow yeah so so they gave so epic gave the assets away for free they said anyone can use these assets whichever way you want 
And then a couple of teams, there's actually like four different teams making four different games. One uh-huh. is a, a, a battle chess game. Uh, with three of them are MOBAs. Uh, and then they're all kind of like trying to figure out and battle out to see who's going to get their game made first, <laughs> uh, while also trying to figure out ways to differentiate themselves from each other yeah. using the same assets, <laughs> using the same kind of map. Wow. Uh, so it's super wild. It's but it's really it's really dope. I appreciate the fact that we have all these teams, really small ones too, um, trying to build a game back that they love that 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 got taken off the store because it was just not doing the sales that they were supposed to do. So and there's enough people playing it that you get games with other humans. Kind of. I mean, it's still they're still <laughs> kind of in like alpha stage, both yeah. of them anyway. So like you'll get kicked out of a match even when it's about to fill up, or you know sometimes it'll crash on you stuff like that. But I think in the times that I've played it, you know, the, uh, I think yesterday, because I actually jumped on it yesterday was the first time, I got matches pretty much every time that I jumped in. There were a couple that that crapped out, but for the most part, I was able to get matches with different people, too, which I thought was That's interesting. Cool. I was like, huh. Yeah. I was like, people are jumping on this. Plus, they're giving out a bunch of beta keys, uh, alpha keys at this point now to try to get more people into there. Um, so that's been great. Um, and I just fired up Death Stranding on PC today for the first yeah. time. You can you can see all my tweets about I can't get this thing to span my two monitors. What's going on? Um, oh, interesting. I mean, I can get it. It'll do it, but it just won't fill out the whole screen, which makes me want a widescreen monitor because I've been in the market for a big widescreen. Yeah, baby. Um, I want one so bad. Um, man, that game is so pretty. So pretty. When you when you start the whole, when you start the beginning of the game and then the music hits and you're like walking Dude, down for the first time. Oh man, that music please. Is this so is why I don't understand what you said about ghost of Tsushima like that game is pretty i agree but i don't think it holds a candle to last of us 2 or death stranding for that matter no it doesn't like i think in terms of the of the ranking of how pretty or how well the games look i think what makes last of us beautiful is that the level of detail in which they kind of place things in the world to make it feel lived in to make it feel like an entity of in and of itself is a testament to just what Naughty Dog is able to do. I think that they continue to be at the, the high watermark for for all those things. Yeah. Both in, in lots of different ways. I think Tsushima, though, again, like what they just did with lighting alone. Like, mm. I, I mean, especially because I'm a big photo, a photo mode person, too. Yeah. Like, I love photo modes and I spent so much time in photo mode in that game. When you nail that stuff, like those things to me are, are, are what make it really, really a part of what that is. That's right. stranding. Its own aesthetic is the vastness of it. Like, I don't think it's because it's like at the intricate level where you're looking down at the ground. You're like, damn, this dirt looks like good dirt. Like no one's doing that. <laughs> but I think it's like, damn, these mountains look good against this river, against these rocks, against this background. Kind I mean, of stuff. I, I will take, I don't know. I, I Like you said, I think the cinematography of Ghost of Tsushima is is beautiful and the idea of you know always at dusk and you know the leaves moving and all that stuff is is all beautiful and i'm not trying to take anything away from that level of it but i just think purely from a like wow this doesn't look like it could even be done on a ps4 uh, that's the feeling i had when i played last of us 2 and the feeling i had when i played death stranding like it's just like i can't believe a ps4 is doing this i do not feel that way about gust of tsushima i'll say this though i i even though I did not care for the game itself, I am dying to see what that thing looks like on a PS5. Right. No, I agree. That thing is going hope, to look like, it's going to look like madness. I hope they can throw a, throw a switch and make ray tracing happen in that game. Cause Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. 
It's going to be nuts. But I, I have also been playing Death Stranding on PC and allow me to uh, contribute to your ultra wide techno lust because <laughs> I have an ultra wide monitor and I'm telling you it is worth the coin because oh. uh, it's, I mean, Death Stranding takes full advantage of ultra wide um, settings and it's josh dropping it really really is ultra wide is a huge improvement in my opinion and um man this game like you said you know that as you first start walking that music comes in and you start walking down the hill and the camera Mm -hmm. pulls back and it's just this gorgeous vista with this these tunes pumping and you're basically like on a hike you know that game just is a hike to me and uh, i don't think i'm gonna replay it i mean i didn't finish it on playstation I don't think I'm going to replay it, but man, it just was fun just wandering around and seeing such beautiful sights in ultra wide. If you haven't played death stranding, I put it on my top five games last year. I think it is so unique and so different and so interesting and such a reimagining of what video games can do in a lot of ways. It's super worth playing, especially if you've got ultra wide on PC or you've got a beefy enough PC to crank up those settings. Cause it's a really beautiful game. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, and also the super high frame rate that I was getting on my card. Like they do all this, you know, wizardry at NVIDIA. By the way, I got a, I got a code from NVIDIA. So I was kind of uh, tuned into looking at all the, the specifically the graphic settings. Uh, but man, they, they do that. Uh, what is it? Uh, DLS. DLS. Yeah. To keep the frame rate super high. Ooh, it's buttery, 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 buttery. It's uh, super at, weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Super, I turned it, it off. On, it looked good on PlayStation 4, but man, to have it be like oh. such a high frame rate on my PC was pretty wild. Very cool. Uh, Christian Spicer, other than Ghost of Tsushima, what has been on your playlist? Well, I will say to people who, for well, one, it's already happened. Maybe depending when you listen to this, but as we are recording this, Nintendo announced a short mini tomorrow, direct mini tomorrow. Uh, oh, of course they did, because we won't cover it on our show, and that's how it works. But to that, Donkey Kong Country is on uh, is one of the Super Nintendo games available through the Switch Online service. Um, it's not Donkey Kong Country 2. It's not Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, which is also on Switch. But if you have a Nintendo Switch Online service, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Country holds up. That game is still so fun to play. It's such an interesting take on the platforming genre, especially coming, you know, from Rare. But Nintendo, who had perfected this other platforming genre and the creativity for Rare in that game and what they were able to make back then is is still a testament to, you know, I think some of the amazing platformers we're seeing today, including Tropical Freeze and, and, um, you know, Celeste and, and like those retro style platformers and everything we're seeing is just how you can change a genre while still being within it, you know, just by tweaking subtle things. And I think Donkey Kong Country really shows that off. Uh, so you probably already have it. Um, so I would recommend playing it and diving back into it. I think the the graphics are still really fun and enticing and they pull you in and it's a really great play. And then I played more Call of Duty Warzone. I played with uh, Cheapy D and Wombat from Cheap Ass Gamer. And as I said on uh, Cheapy Stream, which I imagine he still has it up, uh, Playing games with friends is the best. It's so fun. Like, I know I talked about Warzone and um, Space Mountain Hyperspace, uh, <laughs> Ubisoft's new Battle Royale game. Um, last week, <laughs> I bounce off of multiplayer games. But 
But playing Call of Duty Warzone with two friends, I was like, oh, I could do this every day. You know, like <laughs> it, it really clicked. Like go to the gulag, I'd lose in the gulag, but they'd buy me out and be back again. The way you could revive people and playing with friends. It's the best way to play any game. But I think Warzone, a lot of its unique tweaks to the battle royale uh, genre are really highlighted when you're playing with with friends or a squad of people you know. And I, I know my schedule's too hectic to, and theirs as well, to like make it a reliable like play date, game date kind of thing. But it really clicked and it's really fun. So I, I, I understand its appeal, you know, even more having experienced it than just the hypothesis of like, oh, I see how these mechanics could work when you cared about people on your team. <laughs> <laughs> Versus like group together. It's like, yeah, I want to win, but also like, that got killed pretty early, and am I really going to go out of my way to bring him back? <laughs> this isn't this isn't Christian discovered COD Warzone. This is Christian dis- discovered friends, right? Yeah. No, but it is, and I, I don't know if Cleef, if you've played Warzone or not, but I do. Think oh yeah, like it's it's additions to the battle royale genre really are around friends, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. mates, and and Fortnite certainly introduced some of that stuff as well too. But yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. Awesome. Um, I think my wife just screamed. I did hear that. I need to make sure she's okay. I think we have a mouse in the house. Your wife and my wife are like, oh, yeah, he's still in there doing the show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Well, that's going to do it for this episode. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Khalif Adams, it is always so much fun to talk to you. Thanks for being here, sir. Gents, thank you so much for for dealing with me and my technical issues. Oh, not at all. Not at all. No, no, no problem at all. Oh, but uh, as always, it is fantastic to get to hang with you both. Uh, I, I miss you all in physical form yes. and in, in ways that we uh, we need to get to some games in for sure sometime soon. I would love yeah. that. Um, yeah. Christian thank you again discover- for having me. Christian just discovered friends. So he, he's, he's all in. He's all in on it. <laughs> he, he's... I've been doing a podcast with for years with somebody who doesn't ever play games with me. So yeah, it's weird to have this like group mm-hmm. of people, like willing to play games with you. <laughs> I've never experienced it before. It's, it's well, yeah. understand, understand that you're both on my heartbeat sensor forever. That's all. Aww. Aww, thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the awesome stuff you do online. Uh, you can check out Spawn on Me, the premier podcast spotlighting people of color in the video game industry every Tuesday. Uh, we drop a new episode uh, on our podcast feeds and on YouTube. Uh, we do that show live on Twitch on Thursday evenings around 7 p.m. PST. Uh, and yeah, you can find uh, all our stuff there. And we have some dope shows coming up. We had a show that's coming out this week, uh, Tuesday, with Adam Sussler, who who was rocking with us, uh, who came nice. to, came through to Chicago after a five-year absence. Wow. Which is nuts to know that I've been doing podcasts for more than five years. <laughs> <laughs> We gotta get yeah. we gotta get Adam back on here too. He's been too long, but yeah, yeah. yeah. he's a, he's a good guy. Uh, awesome man, very very cool. I love what you're doing, and I love that we've you know you've been uh, all over the place, just rocking and rolling, and making spawn on me bigger and bigger and bigger. It's it's great to see you. Thanks, man. you deserve it, buddy. You put the you put the work in. That's for sure. I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely, Christian Spicer. What about you? What do you got going on this week? Uh, we are continuing our examination of the last of us part two over on the official, the last of us podcast, which you can find on your podcast provider of choice. New episodes come out on Tuesdays. Um, if you haven't give it a listen, check it out. 
And uh, Twitter is the best way to keep in touch with me, at Spicer. And then I forgot to mention this on this week's show, but I mentioned it last week. But I'm curious if anybody has played um, Tetris Primetime and if they've won any money. I'm not allowed to win money uh, (laughs) because I work on it and I'm I'm not that good. And I know people have won money, but I wonder if any of our listeners have won money from playing Tetris because I think that's... uh, I think that's pretty cool, you know? So yeah. if you've won money, I'd love to know. I, I, I know that people are. I'm not saying, like, is it real? Yes, I know people are. I see, <laughs> I watch streams of very good players and uh, and I see tweets from people that have won money. But I'm curious if anybody that listened, you know, downloaded it and played and won any money because that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Right on, right on. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And uh, you can email us here at DLC dlcfeedback at gmail.com also i have some other shows if you're interested i talk about movies and tv shows on a show called the slash Filmcast. you can find that at slash filmcast.com we're talking about palm springs this week which is really worth watching i really 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 enjoyed that movie on on hulu uh you hear us talking about it over at slash filmcast.com this week uh also i do a comedy science show where you can learn something and smile and chuckle at uh, our goofy jokes about science. Uh, it's called We Have Concerns. You can find it at wehaveconcerns.com. And then I also do the Dungeon Run, which is my long form Dungeons and Dragons epic video game or epic uh, uh, storytelling, epic fantasy show. And this last week, uh, we blew some minds. Uh, I don't know if you've seen my Twitter feed about all the feedback people. Uh, that have been watching just could not handle what happened. It was pretty awesome and mind blowing. So get on that train. The one, the only Tim Longo even tweeted about our show about how much he loves it. He, uh, he of course of, uh, three, four, three and Lucas arts fame. Uh, it's very flattering that people I respect, uh, dig the show. So check out the dungeon run. You can find it as an audio podcast by searching for the dungeon run. You can find it on YouTube by searching for the dungeon run there. Or you can watch live as we record Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Khalif, do you have something to help people get through their week? Ooh, um, I was going to say that you should definitely check out the latest Patton Oswalt special on mm. Netflix uh, because it's pretty sweet. It's really funny. Um, I'm a big Patton Oswalt fan, so like getting a chance to see him do more stand-up is, is always something that's great. And it's so funny that you talked about Palm Springs because I was going to say Palm Springs is a thing that people should definitely go check it's out. It's so good, right? It's and so watch. clever. It was so good. It was one of those like really nice, chilled out, like hang out with your significant other and hang out and watch that thing. And it was so good. It was really, really well done. I was not expecting it to be as cool as it was. And it was totally dope. I highly, uh, I highly recommend if you're even mildly interested in seeing that movie, don't read anything about it. Go in blind because I didn't know what it was about when I started Mm -hmm. watching it. And I was so glad I didn't because I was like, what is happening? And it was, it was so cool. Yeah. So check that out. It's on Hulu. Uh, and the Patton Oswalt special, I think, is on Netflix, right? Correct. Correct. All right. Uh, Christian Spicer, how about you? You got a parting gift? I do. And this is uh, someone who doesn't need any plugging from us or from me. Um, 
but Gracie Abrams, who is of the JJ Abrams family, uh, her daughter, his daughter has an album that came out recently called minor. And, um, she, you may have heard of her before, like Lord, uh, like was reaching out when she was just posting snippets on Instagram. I think it was, and singles have come out. Uh, I think it's an EP seven song EP, but it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, it is like kind of that haunting, you know, melancholy bedroom music that I'd say similar to Lord where it's like about love and and heartbreak um, from a a young perspective. And it, it just reminds me of the things that like, you know, in high school you turn on, turn the lights off and you're like, I don't need you anyway, Sarah. And, you know, like slam the door and it's cathartic in a way and it makes you feel better. Um, But it's, it's really great. I think friends is the first song on the album friend. Uh, it's probably my favorite, but it's Gracie Abrams' album, Minor, and you can find it wherever you stream your music. Awesome. Uh, we also got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes to us from Greg Thompson, who writes, Hey, Jeff Christian and esteemed guest, you guys introduced me to The Midnight a while back, and when Jeff more or less recently shouted out their newest album, Monsters, which is marvelous, I pulled it in my daily music rotation. I grew up making mixtapes for friends and my parting gift for you and your dear listeners who love the midnight and might want a complimentary band to put next to them on your next playlist. That band is Halloween Alaska. And they're not a new band, but they're one of those groups that popped up a little in the early 2000s and then quietly have been playing 10 shows a year and releasing an album every five years, give or take. So they don't necessarily show up on many radars. Halloween Alaska has a lot of commonalities with the midnight. They're a synthwave, ambient, glitch pop band that writes hooky songs with swirly synth parts, with lyrics and vocal delivery that might compare favorably to a band like the Postal Service or Broken Bells. What makes Halloween Alaska interesting is that while this genre tends to be built around drum machine sounds and loops and all the trappings that come along with electronic music, these guys come from a jazz background and all of their instruments are performed and tracked live. Their drummer plays a hybrid drum kit with electric triggers so he can move from playing like a rock drummer to doing glitchy 30-second note grooves. And the band can push or stretch the tempo in a song so they can be both intricate and tight like a good midnight song, but also feel kind of shaggy and on the edge of control at times like early soul coughing. Their self-titled first album is a good place to start. My favorite track is The Four Corners. And if you like The Weeknd, Songs Sunset from the Endless Summer album, you'll like the song Call It Clear. Or if you like Dream Away from the Monsters album, I think the song All the Arms Around You might be up your alley. Uh, he goes on to compliment you, Christian, and your uh, your show Department of Parenting that you did with Chris Quintos. Says that all uh, DLC listeners with kids should look up the old RSS feed and uh, and listen to it and stay informed. Uh, thank you, Greg. That's awesome. I thought that was a fun show. Yeah, I wonder if that RSS exists. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Greg. I actually uh, uh, loaded up uh, Halloween Alaska uh, tonight when I was cooking dinner for my family. And uh, yeah, I, I dug it. I listened to all the tracks that you suggested and uh, I dug it. So thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that recommendation. It's going into my rotation. Halloween Alaska. Uh, my parting gift was actually recommended to me by a friend of the show and friend of mine, uh, Danish Syed, who uh, turned me on to this YouTube channel uh, about a fellow named John Butler, who does a YouTube channel called Spiritual Unfoldment. 
And the way this was introduced to me is sort of like a, an ASMR kind of lovely sound of his voice because this guy's an old, old, old British dude with a big, long white beard. You may as well be listening to Gandalf or some old wizard, you know. Uh, but he talks very quietly in this lovely old British accent and he talks about spiritual unfoldment. He talks about meditation and what's important in life and sort of the 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 virtues of of work and and uh being centered and not getting caught up in frivolous things and just kind of living life in a very meaningful purposeful way it is so my jam it is so beautiful i could this guy has hours and hours and hours of just being interviewed and talking about that stuff and could, his, his voice is soothing i could put it on and just zone out and listen to him talk and feel better about the world, which is exactly what I need right now. So I'm so grateful to Danish for uh, recommending this to me. And I'm passing it along to you, dear listener. Check out Spiritual Unfoldment with John Butler, the YouTube channel. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Khalif Adams and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. Thanks to the folks in our live chat for hanging in there tonight and being part of the show in real time. We appreciate you. And thank you to each and every one of you who download our show and listen. We couldn't be here without you, and we're so glad to be on this journey with you. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.